The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, there is hope for anyone overwhelmed by struggle or pain. For all eternity, for those who trust Jesus, there is nothing but life-giving light. Christ is healing us from here in the middle of our mess. He's bringing beauty from ashes into our darkness. He is our light. Join us as we spend Wednesdays in the Word with Sheila Walsh. Hi, I'm Sheila Walsh, and I want to welcome you to Wednesdays in the Word. Thank you so much for joining me here. And thank you to so many of you who've dropped me little emails or notes and say, you know, I've made a point I always watch. Um, a few weeks ago, I was in um, Ohio, and one of the ladies there in a wheelchair, just the most beautiful older lady, said, I never miss an episode. And so if you're watching, I just want to say hi and thanks so much. When I was writing my book, In the Middle of the Mess, um, I was very aware of the fact that in our world, there is so much, gosh, how would you even describe it? So much evil, and yet when, where evil is, the grace of God is there too. There's darkness and there's light. And it's my prayer that you and I, in these days, would be those who live in such a way that as, this, as First Peter says, that we'd be able to give a reason for the hope that's within us, that the light of Christ would be so strong in us that people would want to know, what do you know? Who do you know that I need to know? Now, I was thinking about light and how bright the sunlight is, and it reminded me of the fact, Barry and I, we have a, this favorite funky old movie theater just a few miles from our home in Dallas. And on occasion, you know, we'll park ourselves in those giant velvet theater seats for two or three hours. And if it's an early show, we try and go in the afternoon because we're old people now. We'll step back from that pitch black theater into the blazing sunshine outdoors. And you know what that's like for a few moments, you have to kind of squint your eyes to get ready just for how bright it is. You're surprised that it's still daylight outside. Well, that's the picture. That's the picture that comes to mind. When I think of you and I finding strength in this beautiful broken life, blazing sunshine, lighting up the devastating darkness that's all around. This is the metaphor that the beloved disciple John uses in describing God. In 1 John 1, 5, we read these words, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. What this means for us is this, Whatever baggage, whatever brokenness we've been carrying, whatever pain we've stuffed deep inside, whatever darkness we've harbored can be overcome by the light of the Lord. Whatever you're struggling with, all the pain, all the addiction, all the frustration, all the despair, all of it put in its rightful place, eclipsed by the light of Christ's glorious presence. How do we live like that every day? How do we share his light with those around us, with those we love? Well, these are the questions I'd like us to look at here today. Now, it could be that you grew up in a home in which your parents perpetually made you feel 
like a disappointment. Maybe as you came into your own, you fell into one abusive relationship after another, leaving a little piece of your heart behind with every departure you made. Perhaps life has been a series of disappointments and lies. And as a result of the wounds, you wonder, is there anything else in life but the darkness that I keep bumping into? Or maybe you've fallen into that merciless trap of comparing yourself to other women. Perhaps you've done it since you were barely a woman yourself. And those years of standing yourself up next to others and always coming away feeling less than, that's overwhelming. Maybe it's not that. Perhaps you've been battling disease for so long that you can't recall a time when you weren't plagued by physical struggle and pain. Light is not a word or reality that makes sense to you at this moment. The trouble with our secret struggles is that they're very believable when they're in the dark. But when our pain is brought into the light of God, somehow they lose their power, which is probably why we don't understand grace in the dark when we're hiding from God. Grace invites us into the light. It pours out into those, those who think they're broken beyond repair. The enemy would love to make us believe that our burdens will never go away. But the truth is, the burdens we carry, we're told in scripture, are temporary weights. Paul writes about this in his second letter to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, and then verses 16 to 18 say this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I love that passage. I love the truth of that. You know, it's hard to view our brokenness, our mess this way, I know that. And yet there it is in God's word, in plain language, we can all understand. All that we're enduring in this present moment, Paul calls light momentary affliction. The, the weighty load we're carrying, Paul says it's light. The burden we're bearing, light. The latest struggle that we're, we're struggling with, he says, 
In terms of eternity, it's light. All of the mess we find ourselves in can be surrendered to him. And Paul is saying, it's not heavy, it's light. What's more, Paul also assigns time to our mess. I love that. The mess that you may be in right now, the one that has convinced us it will never get cleaned up, it is momentary. It's temporary. It's here, yeah, for a time, but then it's gone. Paul then goes on to say where this mess is taking you and me. The purpose here, he explains to the church in Corinth and to us, is to prepare us for something that is in fact heavy and is in fact eternal, namely the weight of God's glory, which will surround us forever. Over the years, as I've sought to live out my understanding of what is permanent and what is temporary, what is heavy and what is light, the beautiful words of that well-loved Psalm, Psalm 23, have taken on new meaning for me. Well, most mornings, in the early morning, I reach for my Bible, my journal, a hymn book, a pen, a cup of coffee, and my iPhone because I have my favorite worship playlist on it. I'll head out into the garden and sit in my favorite chair. And sunrise by sunrise, I ask the Holy Spirit to show me what are the lies I believed and ask God to replace them with truth. And often I've read the well-known words of that great hymn written by that little shepherd boy before he was ever King David. And I've let those words, those words of comfort sink into my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There's two things in particular about the psalm that strike me as it relates to our search for strength in the middle of our mess. First, you get the feeling from these words of David's that life is a journey, not a destination. Did you hear all the language of movement in those verses? Being led by peaceful streams, guided along paths of righteousness, highest highs and lowest lows, brightest mountain tops and, and then dark valleys. Our brokenness and despair are temporary, not permanent. In this life, you and I, we're just walking through. Well, the second thing I love about Psalm 23, which sometimes it moves me to tears, is this. The burden of responsibility in this journey is the Lord's, not ours. This journey is led by Him. I mean, think about it. The Lord is my shepherd. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He's close beside us, whether we walk through a valley that's dark or not. His rod, his staff, protect and comfort us. 
He's the one preparing the feast. He honors us by anointing our heads with oil. Truly, our cup overflows with blessing because of him. The journey is led by the Lord. More times than not, when I feel myself sinking under the weight of a burden that feels too heavy, it's because I'm trying to carry it in my own strength. One morning, just after I'd read those words from young David, I opened my hymn book and found these lyrics. O oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. And these beautiful words, O oh, light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. Those last lines, so beautiful. I think this is the perfect summation of the Christ-following life, that you and I would daily have the courage and conviction to yield our flickering torches to the one true light of the world, the source of whatever light that we know. The light of the world has come, and in him there is no darkness at all. I was recently speaking to a group of 4,000 women. I was 40 minutes into a 45-minute message when I realized with absolute certainty that the Holy Spirit was telling me I should shift the conclusion to my talk. What I had in mind was a traditional altar call, inviting those who had no relationship with Christ to come to him. It's really clear to me that God was up to something else. And I knew in that moment what I, was, what I was to do. So I took a deep breath, looked out across the auditorium, all those beautiful lives. And I said, um, tonight I've shared with you a lot of my story, so much of the darkness that I've dealt with. I've also told you, and honestly, it was the first time I'd ever said this from a platform. I've told you of my lifelong struggle with suicidal thoughts, sometimes when the pain just felt too much to bear. And then I said, I don't think I'm alone. I told those gathered in the auditorium that night that I was gonna ask them a difficult question, a question that would take great courage to answer. I paused for a moment and then I asked them, has anyone in this arena attempted suicide? or dealt with recurring suicidal thoughts, as I have. Is anyone a cutter? The question hung in the air as the room fell very silent. I said, if you're like me, if you walked this lonely, terrifying path, would you be willing to join me here at the front? I'll never forget what happened next. There was a tidal wave of women stood from where they were sitting and made their way to the nearest aisle. They came from all over the auditorium, over 400 of them. And as I looked out at my sisters, I swear my five foot four frame in that moment stretched six feet tip to toe because I thought, Lord, this is a battle that in your name we're gonna win. With tears clouding my vision, I watched as these women came, all those flickering torches in search of the steadfast light of Christ. 
as women continued making their way to the, to the area just in front of the stage, I reached out my hands, as though covering them all, and I prayed to our great God and to Christ, the light of the world. Now, let me just say right now, if you're somebody who has struggled with that, I'm going to pray this over you. Because here's what I prayed. I asked God to shine his boundless light into your darkness. I asked the Father to breathe hope, to breathe hope into the stagnant filth of any despair. I ask that God's truth will penetrate any lies that you've believed for so long. God is a faithful, loving companion, particularly on those lonely, dark nights. And then I prayed those great words from Psalm 27, verse 1 over them. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In the light of the Lord, fear is banished. In the strength of the Lord, strongholds are broken. In the arms of the Lord, there is safety. In the grace and mercy of the Lord, there's life. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, said the prophet Isaiah. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What this means for us is powerful for all eternity. For those who trust Jesus, there is nothing but life-giving light. Light that bursts forth in the darkness, making us squint our eyes nearly shut. Christ is healing us from here in the middle of our mess. He's bringing beauty from ashes into our darkness. He is our light. When my son Christian was just a little boy, he would be finally tucked up in bed at night after prayers and stories. I would walk to his bedroom door, stop, turn, and ask him a question. I would say, which boy does mommy love? And he would put his little hand on his little chubby cheek, and with a big grin, he would say, this boy. You know what I'd love to ask you to do? Every time you catch your reflection in a mirror, a store window, or even a puddle, would you ask yourself this question? Which girl does Jesus love? Which boy does Jesus love? Then put your hand on your cheek and say with absolute confidence, this girl, this boy, you are loved. You are loved. And from that love comes life, not just to us, but to others. It's why we're here. Our presence should be felt in this world because Christ's alive. And there's some things that you and I can do right now. Would you watch this?
In the relentless conditions of Southern Africa, Julia's story is not unique. In fact, Julia represents countless mothers who are fighting a near impossible battle to simply keep their children alive. Julia has endured the worst pain a mother can experience, burying not one, but three of her children in the span of one year. But her story does not end here. This faithful mother, along with a multitude of African mothers, need our help. Let them say, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Can you imagine as a mom and hear her say, I feel like such a bad mom. I have been there. I have watched what these mothers do. I've watched how hard they work. I've watched them literally digging in the dirt, looking for anything that could be considered food for their children. She's not a bad mom. She's a mom who lives in a country where there is extreme famine and it's getting worse. To have to bury three children. You know, sometimes, you know, you watch something like that and you think, how can that possibly, I mean, I'm sitting in the studio here and you're maybe sitting in your home or wherever. How can that be going on at the same time? And here's my thing. If the body of Christ is alive and well on planet Earth, then that should not be going on because it's something that we can do something about. You know, sometimes you'll hear of horrible earthquakes or tornadoes or terrible hurricanes and you think, there's nothing I can do to stop this. All I can do is be there in the aftermath to help. But this is a situation that we can, we can do something about right now. We need to be active so that, that those children don't end up in the worst of the worst malnutrition clinics, so that a mother doesn't have to kneel three times behind the grave of her child. Now, I don't know if you're flipping through channels and you're 12 watching this, or if you're a faithful supporter and viewer, but I just want to say every single one of us can do something. As long as that exists, as long as that's a reality, think of the money that's spent in our nation alone on diets, on our diet books, and that mother hopes to be able to feed her children three times a week. These moms are just like you and me. You know, somebody actually asked me once, do you think they get used to it over there because they see it all the time? No, no. No mother would ever get used to their children crying out because they're hungry. Never, never, never. So please, can we do this together? If you can do $30 a month, that'll provide for three children food for three months for $30. You can't go and see a movie, get two movie tickets for that. For $50, five children for three months, $100, which many of us can do, 10 children 
for three months. It'll make such a difference. If everyone watching thinks, okay, I'm not just gonna think, well, somebody else will do it. No, it's us, it's on us. We are here for such a time as this. It's no accident that we're alive when this is going on and you and I can do something. Now, if you can give an additional gift, we want to upgrade our food factory in Africa so that it becomes much more efficient. So please go to your phone and make the very best gift possible. In impoverished and famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. With your support, you will help feed and care for children in crisis areas of Sudan, Angola, and Mozambique. With Africa facing ongoing food shortages and drought, we urgently need to replenish supplies and come to the aid of 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30 50 or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider an additional gift to help provide critically needed upgrades to our food factory that will increase overall production by a staggering 50%. This is a $216,000 challenge above our normal feeding budget that could help save even more lives. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you in the middle of the mess. In her new book, Sheila Walsh brings insight to knowing the peace and presence of Christ in the midst of life's inevitable messes. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed and care for 10 children, we'll send you Sheila's book, plus the Arise Coffee Mug. This heat-activated mug reveals Isaiah 61 each time you fill it with a warm beverage, a wonderful way to begin your day. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. In a few minutes, this truck's going to be full, and it's going to carry the nutritious soup mix to tens of thousands of children. This will go to several different feeding areas. The only way this truck can run, the only way this food factory can run, is with your support. Betty and I have said we're going to leave here committed to various areas. We're going to help those children. I don't want to stop with 10 if I could help 100, and some of you could do that. I am asking you right now to respond by going to the telephone or going online and make the best gift you can because you are literally giving life to thousands and thousands of hungry children and their families all over Southern Africa. Please respond today. Thank you so, so much. The lines are busy. Please keep trying. Let's do this. I mean, let's really do this and let the world know Christ is alive and well in his church, not because we're sitting in a pew singing hymns, but because we're reaching out with love in Jesus' name. And for any gift at all, I'll be thrilled to send you my brand new book, In the Middle of the Mess. And if you can contribute $100, we have this so, this is so cool, this mug. Um, it looks like just a black mug until you pour your hot tea or your coffee in and then ta-da, there you have it, the message for the day, which I know will encourage you and remind you that we are actively standing shoulder by shoulder and walking out this life we believe in the name of Jesus. God bless you.
refusing to be defined by feelings, temptations, circumstances, other people, or even himself, Dennis Jernigan is defined by his maker. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.